All right, thanks for joining me for episode four of the podcast, and with me today is father, husband, teacher, coach, and one of my very best friends, Mr. Jason Squire. Thanks for being here, man. Thank you very much for having me, Luke. I'm not going to lie, I don't know what to do with my hands. I'm like Ricky Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of goofy the first time you uh, put on the headset, and it's funny how I'm... You know, not super comfortable doing this yet either, and then having people on how they get kind of nervous sometimes. So that is always kind of an interesting thing. Like, yeah, we talk all the time, and now you're nervous. I'm just looking you like super, super smooth with your arms right now. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. It, it's all about the <laughs> arm placement. I think that's if I've learned anything for doing three whole podcasts. It's about arm placement. So I like to yeah dangle them casually to put you at ease. It, it, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> so for the listeners, um, we've known each other. I mean, I guess we kind of knew each other a little bit. We graduated from the same high school, the same school that we teach at now. But you were, I think, five years ahead of me in school. Yep. So we didn't hang out when we were in school. Um, but then I've been back teaching here at St. Ansgar for, this is my ninth year. How long have you been back here? I think this is 12. This is my 12th year okay, back Longer home. than nine. 12 Sorry. years. <laughs> <laughs> I always go to the, how many years I've taught total. How many years so, have you taught six, total? 16 years. 16 years. So I've taught 12 years total, I think. So that makes sense. Um, now, we've talked a little bit about, and I guess maybe I should say first, that you teach uh, business and government and those sorts of classes. Anything else that I'm missing in terms of that? I teach everything. Yeah. <laughs> Psychology, sociology, government, and all our business courses. Sure. And uh, head basketball coach, we coach uh, junior high football together. Uh, pretty mean tag team there for the old junior high football. It's like thunder and lightning. Yeah, yeah. It's a pretty good setup. Um but, you know, so we've gotten to become friends and I think really hit it off right away when I came back and started teaching, which was really nice, you know, to have that anytime. I mean, coming back into the same high school we graduated from, um, it's always kind of a little different. You have some of the teachers that taught you and things like that, but it was nice. We really hit it off. And one thing that we've talked about a little bit is we kind of grew up in a similar way. We kind of talk about the like blue collar upbringing. So tell me just a little bit about that. I mean, a little bit about you growing up. You spent a lot of time in like uh, auto garages and things like uh, I did. I literally grew up in a gas station. So uh, <laughs> my my parents owned a gas station in St. Ansgar. Um, they ended up having to sell it, but then my dad managed it for, I, I don't know, 20 plus years. My mom worked there as well. Um, you know, some of my earliest memories are sitting in the back room, getting to drink a glass bottle pop, um, listening to all the guys who would come in and hang out, uh, picked up swearing very young. Um, <laughs> as you know, it still filters through me a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, we were there all the time. Um, when they moved to the what is now, if you live in St. Ansgar, fuel time, when they moved there, I actually started working for my parents when I was in uh, junior in high school and then worked there even when I started teaching on weekends just to make a little extra money. So. Yeah. Did, did you find you mentioned, like, you know, listening to the guys talk and stuff? I always remember that, too. I remember it fondly as, like, hanging out with my dad 
<clears throat> and uh, you'd go to like, whether it was just a buddy's garage or he was an auto mechanic. My dad was an auto mechanic when I was young and then been a you know factory maintenance guy since. But uh, yeah, you pick up on a lot of things. And I always remember thinking it was cool. Like you kind of got to look behind the curtain into like the adult man world. And you're in these garages with like, scantily clad calendars on the wall and guys like swearing freely because you're in the garage they're not really concerned about you oh absolutely there there was no registering in their minds that i was there so they (laughs) they they spoke freely and that was okay like i said i it helped me learn lessons in life about uh you don't get to swear at school (laughs) Um, i i am proud that Neither of my kids who are in first grade and above have been in trouble for swearing at school because that's when I first got in trouble. So that was good. So, yeah, um, no, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's, you know, I still see some of those guys and I just think back to some of the things I got to just sit back and listen to, which is, you know, I, I've learned a lot from from just sitting and listening to some of those guys sit around and just tell stories. Mm-hmm. Do you think that impacted you're a very a personable person is pretty easy to say. I mean, you have kind of a knack for talking to anybody in regular social situations. Do you think some of that stem from that? You're just around adults talking all the time when you're young? I think so. You know, my mom's side of the family is a very personable side. My dad's side is not. But I think just even watching, you know, my dad having to do that at, at work, dealing with other people, I think that was was kind of impactful, and I think I kind of saw too, like, hey, you have to interact with people when they come in here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And what are some other things that you learned from, I mean, you know, I would describe your parents as very blue-collar, very hardworking to this day. You know, they are always, you know, sort of working what would you consider like their regular job and then other jobs too. They do yard work and your dad still does, you know, mechanic work in his own shop and those sorts of things. And I remember that from my dad too, is, you know, I remember him working three jobs at a time and still working on people's cars and things like that. What did you take away from all that? Um, I don't take money for granted would be one of the big ones. Um, if I see change on the ground, I still pick it up because it, (laughs) it, 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 Money was tight at home. You know, I saw my parents have to work hard. Um, you know, I I truthfully didn't get to know my dad well as a person until really once I graduated high school because he was constantly working. Um, yeah. You know, and he's still now now he's what, 62 years old and he still is constantly working. So, I mean, you know, those were things that just work hard. Don't just assume someone's going to give something to you. Um you know, and that's a hard thing as a kid, as as you know, like every kid, you you go through the woe is me and why can't I have this, and basically taught me like, hey, if you don't have the money, deal with it. You you know, work hard if you want something, save up, and that's how you get it. Yeah, I think that's really important, and I share those feelings. I mean, it was always the same. You know, it never caused destitute or anything growing up, but there were times when money was tight and those sorts of things, and I think. You do learn a lot about that, about being smart with your money and having, and just having to, you know, my folks certainly tried to pay for whatever they could pay for, but little things like buying your first car and things like that on your own were just important. I think life lessons later and being around that work, you know, my dad is kind of the same and my dad spent whatever time with us he had. But yeah, the dude was working, you know? So, you know, when I was real young, he was always working nights, so... 
you didn't see him during the school year, you know, yep. as much. Yeah, it was, you know, much closer with my mom just because she was around more because she'd get home from work and then dad was still, um, you know, working at whatever job. But my sister and I still joke. I can't remember what brand of magic marker it is, but it's the real strong smelling ones. <laughs> yeah. One of the mom's side jobs was she would clean the old uh, meat locker in St. Ansgar that was next to the bowling alley. And while she was cleaning, my sister and I would get butcher paper and color with those markers. And I just remember how strong smelling they are. Uh, my sister and I still, we joke about you smell meat and it brings you back to just hanging out in that locker. But but it was, yeah, dad was constantly working, and obviously after working like that, he's tired all the time. Yeah. So, so I mean, it was it's kind of nice, and that's, you know, that's one thing I think about with my kids is, and you do the same thing, I've spent more time with my kids in their life than I have with my dad in my entire life. Yeah. And that's something that, with our profession that we have, one, we get that opportunity, but two, just knowing, like, the things I miss out on with my dad i get to do with my own kids yeah do you ever worry you know sometimes i you know i'm in full agreement with you that we're really lucky that our schedules and our kids schedules are the same and we get holiday time and summertime and those sorts of things so you know it's usually you and me and maybe a couple other dads that are at all of these uh kids events during the summer and then it's like all the moms you know and we're yep. the token dads there which is wonderful but there's sometimes, and maybe more so, you know, since I got divorced, so I only have my kids half the time, so I, you know, miss all that time that I'm with them, and then I, I worry sometimes that they're missing out on some of the stuff that we had to do with our parents, where it's like, you have to come and work with me because this work needs to get done, where it's really, I don't, you know, I can do a construction project or something when they're not here, but I've been lately trying to do more like every weekend that we're together we're doing like one type of construction or some sort of project like that so they're learning that because I, I don't think I appreciated that when I was young but being older I'm like glad I got had to do all that stuff just today that's what I was telling you beforehand but I had Gavin come with me and change oil in Rachel's vehicle and I was he wasn't happy about it but I'm like you need to start learning some of these things you're 10 years old I want you to start learning when I got home, I had the kids go out and start raking leaves. It's Those are the things that it's like, okay, I don't mind doing it, but I have to remind myself sometimes, too, like, hey, this is a good job for you guys to learn on. Yeah, My sister and I, we laugh at this all the time because, you know, sometimes parents invent things to help kids learn skills. <laughs> yeah, We always joke, our dad's two favorite activities were – we're going to rearrange the boards and the rafters in the garage. <laughs> and we're going to move this dirt pile from this spot to 10 foot away. <laughs> and we, we still joke about that. That I, Jamie asked me, when are you going to get a dirt pile for Gavin and Rain and, and Natalie to just arbitrarily move? <laughs> that's right. That's right. What's, that, what's that dirt for? It's for moving. Yep, and basically, that's what it was. <laughs> I was like, Dad, you don't mess with the boards and the rafters why are we rearranging them you never know so so those those are the fun things but i mean it, it, the whole point was to teach us to work hard and figure things out yeah so you know us both being teachers then what led you i mean what eventually got you on the path to being a teacher 
I blame Mrs. Baldus. I blame, <laughs> I blame Bro and I blame Mr. P for that. And I say that jokingly, but um, when I graduated, Mrs. Baldus was telling me, you need to be an elementary teacher. We did in German four. We went to the elementary, worked with kids on stuff. She's like, you need to be an elementary teacher. I wanted to be a loan officer at a bank. Yeah. And part of it is because some family friends who I knew, you know, one, you saw people who worked at the bank. It was a better paying job than mom and dad had. Um, it was a, you got to talk to people, which I liked that. And I was just bound in a term. That's what I was going to do. Um, started those classes. Just, I don't know. It wasn't clicking for me. So I made the decision. All people think is I want to do the really exciting major of being a history teacher. <laughs> yeah. So I, I always loved history and, and, you know, I kind of, I think in the back of my head, you know, Mrs. Baldus saying you should go into teaching and I attribute back, you know, Mrs. Baldus, Broad, Mr. P were some of my favorite teachers. Um, they, you know, I just thought back like, man, they made a difference in my life and they, they literally helped me see I could do bigger and better stuff. And that's kind of what sent me that route. And then, you know, the way fate had it, I think there were like two or three social studies jobs in Iowa when I graduated. Um, I student taught at North Springs. Their business teacher left and opened the door where me being a business major right away, I just had a few classes to finish up, and now I'm double double certified and teach a whole bunch of classes. Oh, that's really cool, and that's funny because we've known each other for a long time, and I didn't realize that you started teaching and didn't have your business stuff right away. That you, you're pretty gung-ho about the business and finance, yep. just stuff in general. So I sort of assumed that was the first path. Yep. Nope. It was, uh, I, I was going to be a loan officer, but it's, I got my all social studies endorsement. So I really love us history. And it was like the closest one to home was, I don't know, like an hour and a half away. Yeah. And I thought, you know, and I, I was kind of resigned to, well, maybe I'm going to sub this year and just fate kind of had it. And, uh, I think I had two or three classes to finish up, and that was it. But but it, it all worked out great. You know, coming home, it was a full-time business job. With our financial situation, we made some cuts, ended up picking up some of the social studies. So, I mean, it, it really worked out well. So it's yeah. kind of funny how it all went full circle. Was your goal always to come and teach back at St. Ansgar? Yeah. I mean, it's... It's funny as a teenager, you know, you always think like, ah, I can't wait to get out of here. And then, <laughs> yeah. then you know, by the time I graduated, I really appreciated what we had. And I just thought, you know, St. Answer Schools gave me the drive to want to, you know, do the things I wanted to do. And I thought, I want to go back home and do that same thing for kids. Yeah. And I love teaching at North Springs. North Springs was a great school to teach at, but it, it worked out great when they were going with Manly to become Central Springs was the year I came back home. So, I mean, it, re it really worked out well. It was kind of a clean break type of spot. But, yeah. But, no, it's, yeah, it, 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 I just wanted to come back home and hopefully do the same thing my favorite teachers did for me. Yeah. You know, I was a lot the same way. Um, you know, wasn't sure about getting ed into education and did. We talked about this a little bit on the last podcast with Bryce Conway. But, uh, yeah, it's it's nice how quickly you kind of realize that we're from kind of a special place. You, you know, at least for a lot of us. And you know, that's really reflected with how many teachers on our staff graduated from St. Ansgar. I mean, it's the majority. Oh, absolutely. It, we're way over 50%, I'd yeah. say. 
I think when Sue LaMaster retired a few years ago and she wanted a picture with the, her co-workers who were her former students and like everybody said, and I forget how many, there were like There's 18 a lot of us, us or something. Yeah. It was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> like it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and you mentioned a couple of teachers. Uh, so Mrs. Baldus, who was a German teacher for us, and then she is now our boss. She's yep. the principal. She has been my boss twice because she was my boss at North Springs, That's right. and then she's That's so right. she's double lucky. <laughs> <laughs> I remind her of that sometimes. <laughs> she's still wishing you taught elementary, <laughs> so you weren't her problem. Um, but yeah, Mrs. Baldus um, Broad, who you mentioned, who was an English teacher for us, and then uh, Mr. P, who this is his second podcast in a row, getting bringing up Mr. P. He's officially been on half of the podcasts. He he just he just knew how to I don't know just make you feel good. Yeah, uh, well, and so that brings me to something I wanted to address anyway. Is I always feel like when I see you interact with kids, you have a lot of that. I mean that is. I mean, if I were to describe your teaching style, your connection with kids, it's making kids feel good and really connecting with kids. So what is your teaching philosophy or what are you trying to do when you see kids every day? I guess, and I don't know if it's a social studies background or just being a kid who came from a very blue collar background. I want a kid to know at least someone cares about you in your day. And sometimes I laugh. I tell kids good morning when I see them in the morning. I, and sometimes my kids laugh at me because it's like rapid fire. Good morning, 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 morning. <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then some kids we laugh because we cross paths a few times. They get like four good mornings. But, yeah. but that's my goal. I mean, I just want, I want every kid. doesn't matter if you are you know, in the, involved in everything or involved in nothing. I just want you to feel welcome and, you know, and, and know that people care about you in our school. Um, you know, you and I are definitely different in the aspect of I am the talker in our relationship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I, but I I don't know. I I just think about that. Like, if my teachers didn't pay that interest to me, would I have ended up doing what I'm doing? And and yeah. I, and I think that's that's just what I want kids to know is that that they're cared for. So, do you think? I mean, is that sort of a philosophy in life too? Because I think. You know, there's some teachers who, and not necessarily in a bad way, but, you know, they sort of put on the face for the kids or whatever. And, and not that they're different outside of that, but I feel like you're kind of that way with everyone all of the time. And I, I, I mean, there's sometimes where, I mean, we're really good friends and I really appreciate your friendship. And sometimes I feel like I'm not as good a friend to you sometimes just because I'm a bit more mercurial and then I can be kind of grumpy sometimes and then... You're usually the guy who's like telling me when I'm being that way, which I appreciate. And and yeah, you are kind of the talker and talk to everybody and those sorts of things. Is that just in life? Yes. It, <laughs> that's I, I was telling the kids, you know, I am just, it's like I have a sign, an invisible sign on me that just says, this guy likes to talk to people. <laughs> You're not and, wrong. And, and I don't mind. I truly don't mind. You know, sometimes when I taught at North Springs, especially Rachel would sometimes... I don't want to say get irritated, but she knew like if we were going to Target or, or Hy-Vee, I'm probably going to see about six students who I taught at North Springs in a store. Yeah. And, and when you're in education, it's, and if you're not in an education, you don't understand, like you got to talk to your students. If you see them, like it just, yeah. 
I can't walk by a kid who I taught or I'm currently teaching not say hello to him. I see him in a store. I mean, it just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that it, it, I don't know. And I, and as you know, obviously we've been married longer and she's sees that. I mean, she gets it now, but I just remember right away. She's like, Oh man, you talk to everybody. It's like, well, I just feel like it's rude if I don't. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. That's, that's just who I am. I've, <laughs> I'll, you know, it's kind of like it's like talk to someone. They're like, "Who's that?" I don't know. <laughs> just just uh, thought it'd be rude if I didn't say hello. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I really enjoy talking to former students, but yeah, you'll talk to anybody, which in a good way. Um, you know, we've been to different you know random events and different things, and yet yeah, people seem to find you to talk to you for for some reason. <laughs> and then I I stand there and look kind of. I don't know, <laughs> like alarmed or I don't know. It goes back to our favorite game we play when we go somewhere together of if a fight breaks out in this room, <laughs> I think people are going to align with you because you are definitely tough looking. And I'm thinking, I need to sweet talk everybody in here so they take care of me. <laughs> so, well, Yeah, no, that's, that's probably the better philosophy <laughs> to have. I'm going to befriend everybody. I try to... I'm working on that. I try to be better about that, but sometimes I just can't help myself. I just hope at some point in our lives it doesn't actually happen where we're in a play, <laughs> fight and break out. We have to test this theory. <laughs> yeah, we probably wouldn't do well. Like, oh, yeah, two uh, high school teachers in a brawl, <laughs> which I don't, I don't know where we would get into a brawl. But uh, no, I, Yeah, I don't either, but <laughs> weirder things have happened. Some concert with other middle-aged men, you know, I and mean, I don't know. But it could happen. <laughs> well, oh, here's just kind of off on a tangent. Speaking of fighting, um, it's been kind of <laughs> well. It's been fun because um, our kids do a lot of activities together. We have uh, two of our kids are very close in age, and then you had another one. Um, so you have three kids, and. Um, my two kids and, and your two older kids do taekwondo together and our girls do gymnastics together and stuff. So that's been a lot of fun. But it's also been a lot of fun that I grew up doing martial arts and then kind of was able to get back into it um, when my kids you know, got into it. You have a little more time and can do that together. And then you started training with us. And that's been a lot of fun for, I mean, just as a... You know, as like buddies when you're older and you have kids and stuff, you don't get to do a lot of those activities together anymore. So it's nice to have a little different time together where you're training, doing something difficult, those sorts of things. It's uh, it's very intimidating to me, but <laughs> but I really do enjoy it. If you don't know, Luke is a black belt, and I am a nothing belt. I would say <laughs> I could say I'm a, I'm a white belt, white but, belt. but it is. It's been. A, I've really enjoyed it. It's something you know. I, even though I'm a big dude, I do like physical activity, and it's something that it's challenging for me. I you know my biggest thing is just it's hard finding time to practice it outside of there. But it's been yeah. kind of nice going. But but yeah, like. It's been fun sparring with you and, you know, knowing you could destroy me at any time, but it's been, been fun. And, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, I like it cause it's, I, I really work on, you know, like calming my mind to that, you know, yeah. I, I have a very busy mind and I, it's something where I really try to work on focus when I'm there just to, yeah. just to, and I, I have, I have really enjoyed it. Well, and you, sincerely, you do a good job. So it's just, it's been fun to be able to do that. And there's something just different when you get a spar with a guy. It's kind of just a different relationship thing. And it's nice 
I really enjoy it with the kids because, you know, you can play catch and play baseball in the backyard and do all those things. But, you know, like we can't play like, you know, hardcore, like put on the football pads and play football with the kids in the actual event. You know, if they play in high school stuff where martial arts, you can do that. You know, they can, if they continue to do it, I mean, you can really spar and as they get better you can kind of go a little harder and then that's kind of fun to share with them too yeah it's you know and it's kind of fun because my kids are higher belts than i am too we were just talking was it yesterday and one of them said oh we should go through our old forms and i said well i can help you with the beginner one (laughs) yeah but i said you know we should break out this stuff and do a little more of the sparring and things at home and and it's like anything you're so over scheduled with everything but but it has been fun. And, you know, I I think it's good. I am not naturally an aggressive person, so it's been good for me to work on, you know, those types of things. I've never been to fight in my life. Knock on wood. Let's keep that going. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but it's been good for me. You know, I think it's, it's good for my son, who I think is a little bit like me and not naturally aggressive. I think it's been good for him, you know, with, with a daughter. I definitely want her to be able to, to defend herself. And, mm-hmm. and it's been... Yeah, it, and it's kind of fun too, you know. One of my old teachers, and I think was he your principal, yeah. who was seventy years old, is in there sparring too, and that's, you know, kind of fun and scary at the same time because it's I don't want to be disrespectful to a seventy-year-old man, and then he punches me really hard, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it works well. Mr. So. Jerry Rushatar, he goes hard. You would you would not guess the man is seventy years old. I no. mean, not by a long. You'd maybe say fifty just because he has like yep. gray hair, but. Uh, and, it, and again, it's one of those where him is my teacher. It's like I hold a lot of respect for him, and it's kind of weird. And he's kind of shows you, like, don't hold back because I'm going to come at you hard, so, <laughs> yeah. which, I, which is good. So, go hard. Yeah. So I, I got to reverse the roles on you here a little bit. Since yeah. we were talking about going back to our careers and things like that, were you ever at a point in college where you thought, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go a different route or in terms of education or anything or just going like, I just want to go work construction or I want to go. Um, no, cause I think college is when I really decided that I was going to, when I was leaving high school, I was actually planning on doing sports medicine and then, you know, very similar thing, you know, some of the teachers, the same teachers you mentioned, but you know, also, you know, Clev and Shuisaw and a lot of some of the younger teachers who came, I guess maybe when you were kind of getting out of school. They came right as I graduated, okay. yeah. Um, but I just think, yeah, I had such a good relationship with them and appreciated them so much, and a lot of them kind of suggested education. Yep. And I wasn't really sure. So when I was going to college, I tell everybody for my first year in college, I majored in football and badminton because I, you know, went to Upper Iowa to play football and uh, was undeclared my freshman year, was thinking about education, so I took some of the gen eds, but mostly, like, you know, took, like, the hyper classes, like badminton and stuff like that, which was a good time. Um, But that's when I decided I was going to do education, Um, and I really wound up loving Upper Iowa, Uh, so it just was kind of a great fit, And, and then... I kind of, it was an eye-opening experience for me when I first started teaching. Um, I first started teaching at Edgewood Colesburg, and 
it was great and I was really fortunate to work with a lot of like wonderful teachers who were really like mentors you know veteran teachers and it was a great experience but I think I kind of overwhelmed myself a little bit um yeah, I tried to take on you know I was teaching high school English at the time and coaching football and coaching baseball and coaching track and really trying to get a bunch of stuff going in the weight room running the weight room and really to no one's fault but my own and then I wanted to be head football coach so I got you know in the middle of the year my first year got named the head football coach and that guy who I was following coach Dave Millis was fantastic and kind of turned the reins over to me because he kind of knew that was a goal of mine but I wasn't super prepared for that you know so I think at that point I had some feelings of like man this is this was maybe a mistake yeah and it was a lot of it was a lot of work and of course in education you're not going to get rich so it wasn't making a lot of money so that was maybe the first point and again didn't have anything to do with the school necessarily or I mean not the school I was great teachers and great administration and all that and you know a lot of those kids I'm still close with and Bendo you know weddings of those kids and all those sorts of things and love those guys but it was just uh I, I maybe jumped in with both feet and was like <laughs> oh no what am I doing I'm yeah. like ill prepared for all this so there was a while where I I did after two years of teaching went back to grad school for a year and um, I was already a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So I got my master's degree in sports science and I kind of thought about going back into the sports route that I started on and was going to do strength and conditioning. But uh, really, really glad that it worked out the way it did. Uh, you know, found out there was going to be an opening at St. Answer, teaching art, which I really enjoy and, um, you know, taking over for. Tom Townsend, who was my art teacher, who you know, I was just a big influence too. So it worked out really good, and I'm super happy that it worked out <laughs> the way that it did. But yeah, there was a moment there when I was teaching, it was kind of like, oh, yikes. Yep. Did you ever have any of that? You know, and that's why I asked, because it was, I think, right at the end of my first year at NIAC. And when I was, you know, starting to think, do I want to switch? I just remember thinking, like, you know, I was working with my mom and dad at the station at that time, which was a fun thing. You know, mm -hmm. it's for the most part, you know, besides your typical relationship with your parents and being a young <laughs> kid and being ordinary, I, I really did enjoy it. And I just remember thinking like, man, what if I decided to quit college and just do this? And like trying to calculate in my head. And, you know, and, and it was a brief thing. And I was like, no, that's dumb. You know, yeah. go get your education. You know, my sister and I and in our immediate family, our parents didn't go to college. And it's like, yep. no, I'm going to go go do this path so i just remember that at that point thinking like and it was a great thing because besides changing oil and general maintenance like i can't do any of the other stuff and would be <laughs> ill prepared but i just remember yeah, you know it's yeah. kind of a comfort area it was fun you know being there and then uh you know i shingled every summer and i always tell the kids like when you're in college pick a job that is really hard that will make you realize I need to keep going to school, yeah. you know, keep going after your, because especially for me, it was like junior year of college where I'm like, man, I just want to be done so bad. But it's like, okay, I hate shingling by the end of the summer. <laughs> yeah. And then I think about, I totally respect the guys who you see who have 
done construction for 40, 50 years. And because it's like, man, it, you know, as a 22 year old, my body ached constantly. Yeah. And thinking about those guys who were in their 50s doing it. But that, that for me was the big one. You know, Rachel laughs at me sometimes, and not anymore, but I just remember early on, I was bound to determine I was not going to coach. Yeah. I was, you know, just being a young, dumb kid. I was like, you know, to me, it was my teachers were the ones who made more of an impact with me. I wasn't a great athlete, you know, not having a lot of money. I I stopped doing sports after my sophomore year and worked. And I was mm-hmm. in drama and speech and things, but I worked a lot um, thinking like, you know, I just I'm going to teach. Yeah. And, you know, just we know how our profession is, is if you can coach, it's going to help you get a job. Yeah. And I didn't play basketball in high school i enjoyed cheering on everybody but um i part of me getting hired at north springs is i had to be the uh jv basketball coach yeah and i didn't know anything about plays or anything like that like i enjoyed the game but i never really paid attention to that stuff and i just remember thinking like well i'll do this one year and that's it and then uh the guy who was coaching left and then uh one of my good friends um, Shannon Dykstra came to coach and I thought, all right, I'm going to give this guy a chance. I'll, I'll do it this year. And when you talk about not getting rich, you know, uh, Bob Axel, who I taught with at North Springs would always say, you know, table minimum blackjack. If you're gambling with the, with the lowest amount on a table. And I always think about that North Springs, we were, you know, about as bare as low level on pay scale. So, you know, part of it coaching is to supplement the pay. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I stuck that out because, you know, Shannon really helped teach me the nuances of basketball, and that helped keep me going there. And then obviously coming home and getting to work with Merlin Thorson, who's a basketball legend, you know, and Tom was still around, got to work with Tom. Those types of things, you know, helped really helped me, you know, enjoy the coaching part. And, again, once you get older and you go, man – you're so dumb as a kid. Like the coaching part is, <laughs> I love coaching. I love coaching. I love teaching. It's, you know, you get to build relationships with kids in different ways. Yeah. Um, you know, coaching junior high football has been fantastic too. Mm-hmm. I, that's one of my favorite things in the world to do. It's a lot of fun, you know, getting to do it with you too. Because <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, that was something at North Springs I jumped into and man, I'm glad I did that. But yeah. But it's just kind of funny how your views change, you know, as you get older and go like, man, why did I think that? I was so dumb because this is fantastic. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that, too, when I look back at, you know, and my plan was always I was going to be a head football coach and I was going to be one of those guys who did it for, you know, 40 years and ran a big program. And after doing it for just a year, it was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't necessarily want to be a head coach because you have the other headaches and the other – just the other things outside of coaching that you have to deal with where it's like, oh no, I really like coaching. I like just working with the athletes. I don't, and that's even when we do junior high football, I always super appreciate it. And when I was talking about, we make a great team because you handle all of the paperwork, all of the whatever. And I basically just show up and coach and here's what we're going to do for practice. And, and I really appreciate that. (laughs) It works well. You know, it's, and, you know, it was good for me, too, because I was so used to, you know, we had the numbers where it was just Lonely Island by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that was a good thing for me, too, to learn to give up some control on some things, <laughs> too, because I was so used to controlling everything that, that it, it, it does work well. And I think back to then, like, 
man, it's nice. Luke has, you know, the practice thing figured out. And, and uh, you know, I remember when I used to, you know, meticulously lay that out. So I appreciate the fact that you do that part because yeah. that is nice. Right, come. I know what we're going to do. And, uh, and go from there. And, you know, just organizational-wise, I kind of like doing the other stuff. But Yeah, well, which is yeah, so it works out good works well. I don't like doing yeah. that stuff. And it's been fun, too. Like, you know, as a head basketball coach now, I've had four assistants who were former players of mine, and that's been yeah. been a cool experience too. Getting to you know watch them grow as coaches and understand you know wow, it's a lot different from being a player to a coach and, and yeah. those different transitions. But, well, and I agree too. You talked about how you get to have a relationship with kids in a little different way, and I always think that too. That I, I don't think I would be. Maybe not that I'm a great teacher, but I don't know if I would have the same like kind of full relationships with kids if I wasn't coaching and doing stuff too. Because you know, there's some kids who maybe you don't have a huge connection with in class. I mean, like my high school classes are elective, so there's kids who don't take my classes, or you kind of get all the kids. But if they're not super interested in the subject, even if you do a great job with it then you can connect with them on something else that they're interested in and build that bond. Freshman year, senior year, they're with me. Sophomore and junior year being more elective classes in there. Yeah, I, I don't get to see some of those kids for a few years in class. So it's that part has been good. And, you know, it's I really look at coaching. It doesn't matter the sport. We're teaching them life lessons. We're, yeah. we're helping them learn, you know, responsibility, how to treat others the right way. You know, it's... Just those little things, you know. And shout out to Conway. I wouldn't know Conway the know the way I know him without coaching, because I yeah. I really got to know him through coaching, and that's been you know made some good friends out there through the coaching world, and that's been you know kind of a a fun thing too, where I don't think that would happen if I wasn't coaching. Yeah, there is a little bit <clears throat> if you're in you know athletics, or I suppose I don't know if drama and stuff would be as much because you're not going against other teams and other schools, but in those, you know, there's some of that collegiality amongst other coaches from other schools. And like when I was athletic director, that's probably the only thing I miss about being athletic director is getting to meet and work with, you know, other people from other schools and stuff. Yep. And it's that, that part has been great, but it's, it's so much fun watching a kid grow too. Yeah. Not, not just in their skills or whatever sport, but as a person watching and seeing that maturity of, you know, just becoming a better person and, and, you know, that that's rewarding, very rewarding. Yeah. The sports are, you know, whatever extracurricular activities are kind of just another, another tool for teaching. I feel like, yep. Um, I was going to circle back to, um, as you were talking about, you know, you always kind of suggest to kids like get a, get a hard job or, you know, get a job that's, you know, labor intensive or something like that. And I always think that's such an important thing too. Um, you know, I remember my dad coming home one day when I was 16, so I could, you know, drive to a real job. And, uh, he's like, well, I got two jobs lined up for it. You can either be a farmhand for somebody or you can go work construction. One of those two. And, you know, at the time it's kind of like, oh man, like a bunch of my buddies are going to work at the pool and stuff. You know what? <laughs> yeah. Why, uh, you know, why is that my only two options? And I chose construction cause I, not that I knew a lot about construction or even still know a lot about construction, but, uh, definitely didn't know anything about farming having grown up on the North end of Mason city and like definitely wasn't going to be a farmer ever. So chose construction and 
so thankful for that now you know at the time there was a lot of days where you know it's like get up in the morning go build a house all day or you know do the menial tasks assigned to me as the high schooler while the house was being built and then like I would go change into my baseball uniform to play a baseball game. And then at that time we had like night weightlifting and stuff. So it was lift at night or lift early in the morning before going to work. And it was like, man, this isn't a lot of fun. Yeah. But looking back, I think, you know, the same thing. Like, oh yeah, my kids are going to work construction or something like that. So you can sort of, and if one, you can find if you really love that type of work. But if not, you can find like, hey, if you don't want to be doing this labor-intensive job for your entire life, then now you know. Absolutely. And that's, you know, it's, I always tell kids too, you need to work in food service. Because you will <laughs> yeah. quickly appreciate if your food is 10 minutes late at a restaurant. Yeah. yeah. You will quickly appreciate it. And I always tell them like, you learn how to deal with people too. Because you you learn how to turn on that charm. Or you learn how to listen to someone and then try to alleviate that that issue because that's it is super challenging still to this day like if i'm ever out to eat and i'm you know getting a little frustrated because it's food slow i stop and think back to man when you worked at paradise you had days like that too and and you know it makes you appreciate those things so yeah so let's go through a list real quick of jobs you have done in your life so i'll 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 go first go ahead yeah um Mowing lawns because yep. my parents love to do lawn care. Yep. Um, snow snow removal, which again they still do. I hate <laughs> moving snow more than anything in this world. Still to this day, did you do it with the blade, like on the vehicle, or snow blower? Uh, they had it? snow blower, but okay. being my sister and I, we got the shovels. Oh, yeah. But I still like. You know, it'd be five in the morning on a snow day. Get up. We have to go move snow. <laughs> someone could fall on that sidewalk and sue someone. So yeah. I hate moving snow. Um, my mom still brings us up all the time. I got mad at her and hung up on her because I wanted a paper out because I thought that would be great. One of my <laughs> friends. But what I didn't wasn't smart enough to realize my friend had the after school shopper one. Yeah. I got the Globe Gazette early in the morning one. The first week in fifth grade, I thought it was cool. My mom decided, you know, this is a good lesson for you. You're going to keep that paper out into <laughs> high school, which yeah. was awful. So I had those. I worked at two restaurants. Um, I worked construction with two different guys, mostly roofing, and then worked at the gas station. I think that's it. Wow. Yeah, I didn't do nearly as many. So in high school, I uh, you know, started working some construction, and then I wound up getting to do like a bunch of sort of groundskeeping. Um, there was a little cemetery down the road from us, which, you know, you kind of live in the middle of nowhere. So we started like mowing that as just a little side thing, and then mowing a bigger cemetery in Toterville, small town in our area, and then that roundabout led to like doing like groundskeeping, weed whacking, like that type of stuff at one of the cemeteries in St. Ansgar and around Wolds and stuff like that. So that was about it in high school was construction and that like, I don't know, lawn care, groundskeeping, mowing of cemeteries primarily. And then um, in college, I worked as a telemarketer for a month. A month was enough. That's another one where you say, like, you're a little more forgiving in the food service. That's, you know, 
I don't know, you don't get as many telemarkers. You get the random maybe call on your cell phone, but people don't really answer them anymore. But oh, after working for a month as a telemarketer, it's like, you know, people tell these stories about the mean things they do to telemarketers. It's like, man, that the person on the other end of the line is just trying to do their job. And it's, if you're sitting in the telemarketer place, you know, I'm not knocking it, but it's, you know, you're not probably living your dream. So just take it easy on them. Or, you know, I'll just hang up and people are like, Oh, you just hang up on them. Like that's, you sit in a cubicle and your computer dials up and you make 400 phone calls a day the best thing to do is hang up and it just goes to the next one. You don't need to have a big thing. But yeah, I did that for a month. That was enough. And then um, outside of like some college work study stuff, then I did, um, I worked in one of the, for one of those uh, facilities that offers like in-home services to special needs people. Yep. So that was a really great, you know, by that time I knew I was going into education. That was a really great experience for that. It was hard to work a ton in college because I played football in college, and that's a full-time job when you're in college. Um, but then I, I did that, worked for this in-home services for special needs, which was eye-opening in a lot of ways and, and a really good experience. But that was about it, other than okay. education, I guess. I forgot one, which I was trying to buy this one out. <laughs> you always laugh at me because I feel guilty sometimes about like little stuff. But it's I worked at Sears for one day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I went through the full day of like the whole training stuff, and I just instantly knew like this is not for me. I just I can't do this because yeah. it was you know selling service plans stuff like that i'm just like this this just isn't for me i'm not good at it my friend's buddy like kind of gave me the foot in the door and i felt so embarrassed tell him like i'm sorry i just can't i can't do this job <laughs> so so yeah. that's the one i was talking back to because i and i think it's part of my guilt of like hanging up doing something still stems back from that a little bit but i'm like man i just know i know right now this is not for me oh yeah so yeah um but no, I, it took me like six or seven years to enjoy mowing my yard again. Doing doing <laughs> doing mowing and snow care. I still yeah. I still hate moving snow. I love mowing my my lawn now because it's just my quiet time to do something. But yeah. but man, I hated that for so long. And I tip my hand to my mom and dad. They still do that. Sixty one and sixty two. Like yeah, I don't want to be moving snow when I'm sixty two. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. Well, that's the thing. And I don't mean it to sound like we're denigrating any of those jobs in any way because they are, I mean, can be a great thing. It's just sort of what you want to do. And, and for me, was, you know, working construction and those sorts of things. I really like working construction, but I really enjoy now doing my own. You know yes. what I mean? Like remodeling yeah. my house. And so that was huge to get some of those skills and just always doing those things with my dad, too, when he was yeah. always you know, working on the houses that we lived in and, and which again, I didn't really love to do at the time, but now really I'm glad that I have that and, and, and can do a few of those things. So I think that's an important part of it too. And I do think it is important. Like that is a great thing. So if some people, you know, really get into it, I think that's good for kids too, is especially if you don't really want to go a four year college, you know, traditional academic route, that's great then start doing those things and find what you really like in those sorts of you know hands-on jobs absolutely and i'm i'm with you too like 
I respect the heck out of my parents, the fact that they still do that because it's an important service. I just, man, that burned me out as a kid. Like, yeah. And I, I just couldn't imagine still doing that. And they mow a lot of lawns. They move a lot of snow. You know, I've, I don't think I did this year, but, you know, I still try to help a buddy shingle a roof a year yeah. in the summertime just to, you know, make you feel good about yourself. You still got the skills type yeah, of deal. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it. but I'm also smart enough that we used to do like two-story houses and barns and things like that. If it's a ranch house or something, yeah. low, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It did help me learn that I wasn't afraid of heights. I was afraid of ladders because I always thought I was afraid of heights. Once I got on a roof, I didn't mind. It yeah. was... I would crawl straight up scaffolding versus climb on a ladder. And I think it's because I could see the ground. And it always, everyone's like, isn't it scarier on the scaffolding? You're going straight up. I'm like, I can't see the ground. I'm just looking forward. But I agree. There's something about ladders. And I'm not, not that I'm necessarily super terrified of heights, but I just really did not like roofing. Uh, I mean, just for what the job is itself, but also like, I don't know. And, like, kudos to you as a big guy, like, going up. I just felt like I'm not supposed to be, like, my body's not supposed to be up here. I'm like an on-the-ground cat. I learned real quick, if that ladder was fully extended, I'm not carrying shingles up because I exceed that <laughs> weight limit. But I, I truly didn't mind. You know, there was, I learned to be fleet of foot on certain roasts because with my weight, if it was super hot, you didn't want to scuff the shingles. So yeah, you kind of learn yeah. those tricks. But, but yeah, it just still to this day, I, I, well, when you move to this house, I'm like, hey, let's get a ladder. Let's go look at your yeah, shingles. Yeah, we'll climb but, up there right away. but bunch of weirdos just crawling up <laughs> on your roof. No big deal. Well, and that's the thing. Yeah, if it is like a ranch house, I don't, you know, the house that I lived in in St. Ansgar had that, you know, deck and little sunroom off the back. So you could get up on the roof really easy. And like, man, I used to like to just like be up there because, you know, ranch house, not a real steep pitch, those sorts of things. But, you know, some of that, that's the thing too with when you work construction, I think is a great eye opening thing is like, you don't get to pick your jobs, you know? So if you're yep. roofing some really steep pitch where you got toe holds or, you know, something really high and, you know, then it's sketchy. And ladders, I fell off two ladders working construction and that's, I was fine. I, I, just, I never uh, fell off anything. I, I'm sure <laughs> I was super close, but man, that was, it was scary. Some of those barns and houses we were on were, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe I crawled up there. <laughs> Within probably, I don't know, a month of working construction it wasn't didn't take me long i fell off two ladders and shot a guy with a nail gun <laughs> well done <laughs> he was okay too but it was kind of scary for a minute call it a career yeah <laughs> i was i was nailing a header in above a, a window and so i had like the big dog uh you know framing nailer and you know whatever not doing a good enough job and the nail gun wouldn't really fit between two studs. You're kind of angling it and I didn't do a very good job and it shot like ripped just right through the edge of the, of the header. And this other guy was up on a ladder in the corner and all of a sudden goes, bah, and grabs his <laughs> side. And I'm like, Oh no. And l luckily it like, Something from a movie where they get grazed by a bullet. Uh -huh. It was yep. basically that, like, went through his shirt and, like, scratched across his side. Uh, so, you know, kind of cut him, but uh, did not go into him. So that was good. But I just set down the uh, framing <laughs> nailer and uh, 
hammered the rest that day. That was I nice to know you guys. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> I finished her out, but it was just like, oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this here hammer that I wasn't real proficient with. But um, yeah, I yeah. you know, I think back to all those jobs. I mean, they just helped me help me learn, you know, hard work and learn, you know, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. This isn't and you know, I appreciate the fact and again as a kid I Really did not enjoy waking up at five in the morning to move snow, but it kind of taught me, you know, those are things you got to do. And yeah. And did your parents then push you to get an education, get a degree because they didn't or no, they, you know, I, I think back to that. It's, and mom and dad were so busy, but I didn't get a whole lot of guidance on those things. I, yeah. I, you know, it was if my sister listens to this, I don't want to inflate her ego. Hi, Jamie. Um, she, you know, I, I followed in her footsteps. My sister is super smart. You know, I knew she was going to college. She had big aspirations on stuff. And I, it was always, I, I don't want to let mom and dad down. I want to make sure I'm working hard like her. Yeah. Um, you know, and we would jokingly, um, have little competitions with that too, where technically I was the first one with a college degree because my NIAC graduation <laughs> was before her um, University of Iowa graduation. So I was teaser about that. Like I technically graduated college first, um, <laughs> but you know, mom and dad, it wasn't. You know, they we really didn't talk about yeah about that. They you know, it's I think about that and like. You know, we I applied for NIAC when I was at school. I remember it was in October or something. I remember getting the, like, you're accepted. I was like, cool, because that's what I'm doing, because I'm self-funding college. And that yeah. was that was kind of, I don't know, it's kind of weird. We just, I don't remember us ever really talking about it. But how about for you? Well, mine was, you know, again, similar. I think my mom has an associate's degree. I know she studied, like, mechanical design. At, and we keep referencing uh, NIAC which for those of you who listen to this who aren't in the area, that's North Iowa Area Community College. It's the local community college, junior college in our area. And, uh, you know, my mom went there and started studying mechanical design, and then she got a job. Um, so I think she got her associates, but then she got a job as, like, um, a graphic artist, you know, back, which was great and, and influenced me, Um you know, artistically and stuff. Cause I spent a lot of time in a real art department, you know, in a real kind of commercial art department, uh, in Mason city where they made stickers and, you know, folders, those sorts of things. And those was, you know, this is pre Photoshop and illustrator days. I mean, this was cutting things with Ruby lith and doing your color overlays. And it was really, really cool. Um, and then she stopped, you know, doing that job when we moved here, um, moved away from Mason city but, uh, you know, my dad didn't have a college degree. He went back, you know, when I was young, as I mentioned, he was an auto mechanic and then went back to get a, like a maintenance certificate Yeah, and, uh, to do maintenance stuff in uh factory setting. And that's what he's been doing since. But, you know, my dad was one who always, you know, my mom was really hands-on with us learning my whole life, you know, with the reading and homework and all that type of stuff. Um, so that was, you know, big academically. But my dad always just pushed, like, get that piece of paper. Because he's the type of guy who I think has seen 
that it just gives you an opportunity. And again, like I don't want to, I'm in no way like knocking any trades jobs. I really push for those in school because I love hands on building things, making things. But my dad, I think, just saw in his life, I mean, my dad's one of those guys who could fix anything. You know, he's kind of like a mechanical Rembrandt, you know, I mean, he just sees how things work and can put it together. And, you know, from everything I understand from talking to other people, really respected in that. But that piece of paper, that degree gives you opportunities that sometimes it's not fair. A guy might be really good at something, but doesn't have that piece of paper. Yep. So that, that was always his. It was not what to study or where to go to school, but get the piece of paper so you have it. So, I mean, that was kind of a big point. And then it was funny because when I started looking at colleges, I was looking at colleges that I was getting recruited for for football. And then it was a lot of fun, like my dad coming on some of these visits with me. And neither of us know anything about like what college entails or, you know, my dad was not an athlete at all. So it was just, it was sort of a weird sort of surreal experience for both of us. Yeah, it, you know, and that's why I think it's kind of neat for us now as teachers too, is for a while it seemed like the push was everybody needs a four-year degree. Everybody needs yeah. a four-year degree. I think it's fantastic because I never had that belief. My thought was always go into something you love. Yeah. Do what you love. And I was... I didn't philosophically believe with that is not everybody needs a four year degree. Yeah. Um, I think it's great right now. The, it swung back to where it's, you can get a one year certificate in something. You can get a two year program. You can do, yep. you know, and, and really valuing the, the trades and which is great. Cause yeah. I, you know, I've, that makes me happy. Cause I've, you know, I've always thought that is go into the area that makes you happy. Yeah. You know, that that's the big thing. And I think it's cool that now that a lot of these colleges have made the programs with that certificate or something for someone to come out of it. And, I, and you know, we know we've had some former students who have been very successful out of those programs. Oh, I yeah. think it's great. So because you don't shoehorn people into something that they're going to be miserable at. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. And I'm always pro just, you know, make things, build things with your hands, do those sorts of things. Yeah. and. Whether so, that's another good thing I think to try those sorts of jobs is even if you wind up doing it recre recreationally or just for yourself, for your own home, those sorts of things. It is a it's a skill that you have, you know. I mean, it's I think sometimes I wish I would have I wish I would have paid more attention, like when my dad was working on cars and stuff, like you kind of mentioned, because I know enough to you know change oil and do those things and and kind of brainstorm when something's wrong what it might be because my dad was always sort of diagnosing those problems but I really have to sit and work at anything beyond that if I gotta take something apart where it's like yeah I really should have been more hands-on with my dad when he was doing those things and for me the bravery of oh hey the alternator's out rip this out <laughs> yeah, yeah hope it you know just thinking like i'd be scared to death doing it on my own like making sure it all gets put back together especially on modern cars now are just well those scary. are tough to even get to <laughs> anything man i'm trying to do a few things just on a couple of vehicles and you gotta take half of it apart to get at anything um so of course i'm flipping the script on you because no, you know that's what, that's what i do i gotta mess with you what are some things or characteristics you still have from growing up fairly blue collar? I think 
I mean, I'd like to think just the work ethic. You know, I remember, remember once when I was, I must have been in high school. I suppose it was probably my senior year in high school, I'm guessing. Because I think Logan was playing, my younger brother was playing football too. And I want to say he was a freshman, then I would have been a senior. Um, and I think it was, you know, something like we were in between two-a-day practices or something like that. And I remember my dad saying something to the effect of like, you know, I don't know how you can be sort of like this passionate about something, you know, or like being complimentary towards us, but like, you know, good for you to putting in all of that work and stuff. And I always thought that was such a funny thing because a lot of it came from, you know, him and my mom that they weren't athletes, but. I think just, you know, they were all in on us. That was really their passion. So that was one is like, well, no, I learned sort of this passion from you. But then also just that the simple work ethic of you show up on time and you do your job and you sort of, like you do your job whether you want to or not because that's just what you do. And uh, I think... You know, work will take you anywhere you want to go. It'll get you anything you want. So I think that's just the biggest thing is you grow up seeing work and doing work, and that translates to anything you want to do. For me, it's, you know, respecting your boss. You may not agree with your boss. They're still your boss. And that's, you know, they're they're the boss for a reason. And that's, you know, you and I have talked about that a lot of times. Like, that's what I was taught is... Yeah. is doing that you know it's i've been accused of being a cheapskate which is which is okay but man i mean when you don't have a lot of money and you had to save up for stuff but i i also will catch him my wife good for her gives me crap about because i deserve it i will catch myself like oh cool this is something on ebay i could buy that i could never get when i was a kid and and you know i I probably go gung-ho on my kids sometimes at, like, Christmas time with things because I just think back to, like, remembering my dad buying, like, a bike secondhand, having to build it in the basement as a Christmas present. I thought it was the greatest thing on earth. Yeah. So I just think about that, like, I'm lucky enough where my kids haven't had to, you know, really see us struggling for money that way. But at the same time, like, you know, trying to make them work for things too. But that's, you know, so I'm like... A cheapskate, but yet will like make a really dumb purchase like that too, just because thinking <laughs> like, man, I because that couldn't happen when I was a kid. But it, uh, yeah, man, I just think back to to those types of things and just seeing mom and dad, you know, like, and and Rachel and I will have that talk too. Like for me, Christmas is the big one because that's sure. when mom and dad could, you know, they I don't know how they did it, but they made sure we had Christmas gifts and stuff like that. So for me, that's that's always still my big one. Like I, yeah. I, and I probably go again over and above than what I should. But to me, that was always mom and dad made it work then. So that, but it's, you know, and I and I do appreciate that because they, you know, it's they taught me like you don't always have the have to have the biggest and best of something is make do with what you have and mm-hmm. and if you want it, go work hard for it. Yeah, one thing I always think about too with like that with relation to you know the kids and stuff is 
the kind of things you do socially as a family when you kind of come up in that, you know, sort of lower middle class kind of where, you know, I remember talking to different people who maybe went on a lot of vacations and stuff when they were young and we never really did that. You know, we went on like one big vacation that was to South Dakota. Us too. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. right. and, and, you know, and then the other vacations would be to, uh, you know, an amusement, a local amusement park, like a Valley Fair or Adventureland or something like that. That was vacation, you know? That was literally us. It was yeah, at yeah. Adventureland, and then the big one was South Dakota. Yeah. You know, and, and I've had that conversation with people, and I think, you, you know, in some ways, it's... We did just try to do a lot of stuff that was sort of day-to-day types of fun things, because you were never going to go on the trip to Disney World... But you could, you could on a Friday night rent a movie from the local family video or whatever, and you could do that. Or you could stop at the gas station and get a little Debbie's, you know, snack for fifty cents or whatever. And you know, it's interesting because you know some of those it's like, well, you know, maybe if you would have, you know, saved some of those money or done some of those things. You could try to do the bigger trip, but I don't know that I would have liked it yeah. the other yeah. way. Like I think I preferred the we're trying to make whatever we can a sort of special little thing right here. And you know, and I you know, I remember like driving to the next town as a kid and thinking like, Oh, this is forever away, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Never flew on an airplane until I was in college and those sorts of things. But I really liked that, and that's something I still try to do with my kids. And we like to go and do events and things too, but just to like be at home and watch a movie and kind of make it a thing. Or you know, like whenever like one of our favorite sports teams or a good fight is on, we eat pizza and ice cream. Like that's our thing. So you know, those things I think I take away from kind of that blue collar upbringing too. Is you could you could afford to do those things. So that's what yep. you focused on. Yep. And that's, for me, just knowing how, you know, I always joke, I've called TV Uncle TV because, <laughs> you know, mom and dad were working a lot. But, but I, you know, I, I look back at that, and for me, it's my big focus has been, you know, I'm with my kids a lot, and which is great. And what's fun now is since my parents live four blocks away, they get to see grandma and grandpa a lot, yeah, which is good. You know, like my kids have gotten to spend more time with grandpa than I got to spend with grandpa at, yeah. at that age, and and that's been good. And and you know, it's you know, my dad is kind of fun seeing him out of his normal element a little <laughs> bit, you know, and that's yeah. And thinking back to like, you know, my dad now drives bus at our school, which is fun. You know, for me as a kid, he didn't, you know, in middle school when I was in sports, I don't know if he made it to any of my stuff. It's kind of, you know, for me, it feels good knowing that my dad gets to watch me coach, you yeah. know, yeah. and and I hope he enjoys that. And that, so that's been kind of a fun thing as I've gotten older, getting to spend more time with him that way. But yeah. And, you know, like my kids will go and help him clean in his shop and stuff like mm-hmm. that just to get some of that. They still get a little bit of that, probably less swearing, which is good. Let, <laughs> less yeah. cigarette smoke, which is good. And that's, uh, but yeah, no, it's, you know, I, I do. I, I'm glad we grew up the way we did because it, it helped me value stuff better, I think. And it's, yeah. you know, and it, it helps as a teacher to have a better viewpoint for kids who you know struggle um, at times too, knowing like, hey, I went through some of those same struggles too, and that's 
I just think as a teacher, it's been a valuable tool. Absolutely. I also think it's funny just with talking about your dad. There's something about being a grandparent that just like softens people like unbelievably. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, like my mom who, you know, my mom, all she ever cared about was being a mom. So she was a, you know, fantastic mom. And then now grandmother, but when you're the grandma, then you don't, you're not really responsible for the, uh, the discipline and stuff. So she's got a real like drug dealer, drug addict relationship with my kids. (laughs) You know, they're just like mutually need and feed off of each other. And my dad who same thing, my dad was always great about making it to events and, and all those sorts of things. But like, you know, I've seen him do stuff now that I never saw him do in my whole life, you know, like climbing on a jungle gym and like, you know, like playing catch with Mickey. And it's like, man, like we never played catch, which which is fine. You know, it wasn't, wasn't his thing. And I didn't get into sort of like traditional school sports until I was you know older in middle school and stuff. But uh, yeah, it's funny how that happens when you're a grandparent. I can seriously visualize the only time I ever remember playing catch with my dad. Yeah. Like, ever. Like, I, I don't remember ever playing. I should just grab grab a football or something, go to his house sometime. I'm just like, I'm like what, the, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, reenacted this scene from uh, Field of Dreams, but, like, you and your dad. You're like, hey, dad, how about a catch? And you're like, what? <laughs> like, I'm, wear, I'm wearing my yeah. one-piece jumpsuit that I work on cars in. These blue jumpsuits aren't made for catch. So, but it, I would... I would would pay money to watch you and your dad play catch we we could make that happen being a business teacher i'll charge admission so. well and i you know and i think too like you know i my wife is a wonderful human being who i love very much and and i think sometimes you know we'll have the discussion where like i like want to work on something by myself sometimes she's like well don't you want the kids for that and it's like well, I do it sometimes, but at other times, like, I grew up that way where, like, dad's out working on something where I wasn't around either. And sometimes it's hard for me to switch my mindset to go, like, okay, it's okay if they hang around with this too. But yeah, but I don't know if you ever ran into that either. But it was, you know, that's when he was working constantly. Sometimes, you know, even in my own head, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just sorry. I'm just dad always worked on something by himself. Sometimes I just get in that mindset too where – where I catch myself sometimes like, okay, no, that's kids can come out and help me with these types of things too. I don't know if you ever. Well, kind of like I mentioned, you know, I've always had the kids doing projects with me and it just sort of changed a little bit, you know, in the last year and a half or whatever, when you know, only having them half the time where I, I kind of haven't been doing as much of that with them. So you know, I've been trying to like, Hey, we're doing a little project, you know, every time they're with me to kind of still get that. And then I, I forget sometimes that like, Hey, they really like that too. You know what I mean? Like it's not a bad thing, uh, for them to do that. We were just last weekend, uh, building a rack in the garage or finishing a rack in the garage for our kayaks and, and doing some other stuff. And I have a, you know, like a big garbage barrel full of scrap wood from stuff. And they're like, hey, can we make stuff with this? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, like that'll be awesome. They're painting and doing stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's really enjoyable for them, too, to, to not forget about that. Yep. So that's, you know, those are things I sometimes, I know I need to get better at that, too, because sometimes I get into that kind of like isolated mind, like just, again, how I 
dad was working on those types of things. So, like, me as dad should be doing those things. Like, wait, it's okay for others to be hanging out and help me <laughs> with that, too. Yeah. But, yeah. So, going back to knowing you grew up the same way, favorite low-end vehicles that you guys own? My two favorites. Oh, man, that's a good question. We, of course, had the standard station wagons with oh, yeah. the with the seat that flipped backwards. We had one of those, too. We yeah. had a green one, like olive green. Nice. With, it took me until my adult life to appreciate leather because those vehicles had vinyl seats, and I always <laughs> thought vinyl and leather were the same. <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be good. And then if I could find this van again, I would buy it in a heartbeat. We had this Dodge van with a barn mural painted on the side. Oh, that's glorious. And that thing was beautiful, and that's what we took to South Dakota. And my sister will still attest, like, we were driving up a hill and I just remember, like, Dad praying that the van could make it up that hill. It was the most gutless, like, vehicle ever. But if I could find that van, I'd buy it in a heartbeat because it had the plush seats that could turn. And the I don't know, just that van was great. That is awesome. That's a great question because we had, like, the myriad of vehicles, too. And, of course, you know... Almost everything we owned was, you know, like a salvage that dad would fix or whatever. And then we still do that. I'm really fortunate. I mean, like the last vehicle I bought was a salvage. And then, you know, Pops does a lot of it and helps uh, get it fixed. But uh, we had a, you know, they got in the early days of minivans. They were big on minivans. We had the Silver Bullet. It was a silver minivan, like kind of like the OG Dodge minivan. Yeah, you bet. That was great. Um, but yeah, we had the station wagon with the rear facing seat. Excellent. Uh, had, we had the wood grain paneling, which is also a great choice. Um, did have a full size van for a while, which was great. We didn't have that for very long. We pulled a camper with it, but it was just fantastic. You know, with the captain seats in the back that would turn, you could put the <laughs> table in. And so I love that. Um, I also just real partial to like the random, like work cars dad had, like, I learned how to drive in a 1980-something Volkswagen Rabbit that was nice. a five-speed, you know, manual. And it didn't go into first gear. So you had to be, like, you know, real good with the clutch anyway, which learning to drive just in, I'm so, you know, learning to drive any vehicle and learning on that, that's not very good. And it was so just roached out that the transmission, you'd have to, like, you know, grind it till you find it. You had to, like, wiggle the stick around to find where the gear slot was and, like, kind of punch it in there and oh it was just a disaster like learning how to drive and just popping the clutch and killing it all the time and so partial to that and when i was probably i don't know 14 or however old you can be when you first get your school permit yep. to drive to school dad had just bought himself a nicer work vehicle another i think it was a little ford escort and had a manual transmission too and i rolled that vehicle uh, when I was like 14 and that was you know not not good and uh my just my dad you know it's like it was like the nicest work vehicle he ever had 
and I immediately roll it. <laughs> and, and and dad still drove it for years. I mean, like I broke out the window behind my head. He just like for a long time just had like cardboard or something on it, and then eventually like riveted some plexiglass <laughs> or you know something to it and just drove it for years. I think about those things like my dad just never, you know, got to have anything cool. We just wreck it. He just kind of like, ah, he's kind of owned it. We had Chevy celebrities, which <laughs> yeah. I still would like to get my kids one for their first car, but I think <laughs> legally it would be too dangerous. Yeah. Um, and then my dad's work truck that the station had this, I don't know if it's like a 1981 Chevy truck with the big boxes on back. I took one of my, I took two senior pictures with that truck. <laughs> I did one because I always just found it cheesy, and I apologize if you did it, the like posing in front of your car. Yeah, cause, yeah. And I think I found it cheesy because our cars were crap. So, <laughs> when do it. So, it makes it better. Yeah. so I have one of me sitting on the ground doing that pose in front of this rusty station truck. That's and then awesome. I took one where I'm standing on the roof pointing at the camera so nice you know super classy things well, like that those, so, those are almost the best. so that truck was the biggest pile but it was you know it's every morning you knew i'd wake up because i'd hear dad warming it up for a half hour <laughs> long and and i knew when he was going to work so well and that's you know i kind of value those two because it's sort of representative of the sacrifices that our folks made you know like my dad's a big gearhead a big car guy and even when i was real little had some cool stuff you know like he had tricked out an old truck and he had he had a motorcycle that he built himself and you know rode motorcycles and him and my mom you know did off-road jeeping and all this stuff and you know, you kind of you got rid of it because you needed the money yep. and, and just because it, it didn't become a priority anymore because you were working and going to the kids stuff. So I always, you know, look back on those vehicles kind of fondly as that sort of memory, too. It's like, yeah, that's what they gave up and had to yeah. do. You know, it wasn't a cool, my cool da- car. My dad had a 69 Chevy Supersport that... It would have been awesome if he could have kept oh, it, but same yeah. deal. He had to sell it to pay the bills and, yeah. and all that type of good jazz. But they had lots of. We did have uh, for a while when I was younger. It was a '54 Chevy, and uh, it was like it was all original, and it was the color of. I don't know, like you maybe call it pumpkin spice or something today. Like, (laughs) you know, it wasn't quite like Werther's original, but it was, you know, kind of like this, just, you know, a few shades oranger than that, perhaps. Um, I'm just imagining a car being a Werther's original color would be great. That's what it was, you know, and it was original and uh, it was really cool. You know, I've always grown up around car shows my whole life. And uh, one time, Dad and I drove that to a, a car show in Illinois by where his uh, brother lives. And uh, we won an award for just basically driving the farthest <laughs> to, go, to go to this car show. But, you know, I got to go and get the trophy. And so I thought that was pretty cool. But that was kind of our cool car for a, for a while. Nice. <laughs> Man, the co- they need to bring back some of those colors just because they're so oh, so just crazy. It was yeah, it was something else. Yeah, it was not a color one I would have sought out, but uh, it was neat. It was a cool car. But, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I don't have a ton of other stuff that I had uh, written down. We're kind of at our 
my usual hour and 18 minutes is where we're at. You got anything else? I want to be the first repeat guest on this. I want to be your Andy Richter to your Conan O'Brien. Like, that sounds like, good. I, we I think we, we could just every once in a while throw an episode in here. That sounds uh, good, man. One, one thing I'll touch on real quick is you and I joke about this all the time as I'm looking over at your Jack Burton uh, action figure. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little little insider uh, for those of you listening. Uh, a, a Jack Burton action figure from Big Trouble in Little China presides over all of these uh, podcast interviews and as bryce conway and i mentioned in the last episode uh, we had kind of a failed attempt that was the only time i forgot to bring out the jack burton so it's kind of a good luck charm so yeah jack burton's in the room i just we we talk often about the movies we saw that we should not yeah, have seen. Yeah, that's kind of Go, a blue-collar upbringing Go, thing, man, too, yeah. I, I saw movies when I was six years old that there, no kid should have been allowed to see, which is, I look back on fondly and laugh, but I have been... I have been a good good dad and not let my kids see those movies. <laughs> yeah. But it, it is funny because it is one of those deals where it's just like it was on TV and they fell asleep or whatever, but... Yeah, seeing all those types of movies, like Revenge of the Nerds is still one of my favorite movies ever, and I should not have seen that when I was six. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. No, that's for sure. That is, uh, that's kind of a cool uh, lower middle class blue collar thing, too. Is When I always had older cousins, so it was like pretty easy to watch things that I wasn't supposed to watch. And you'd be over at a cousin's house, or, you know, growing up on the north end of Mason City, like a lot of my buddies, you know, like school buddies, their parents just weren't around, you know, like my folks were. So if we had friends over at our place, you know, everybody's pretty well looked after. But a lot of my buddy's house, not so much. You're just watching what you want to watch. And, uh, yeah, I, I actually remember. So where my I went to Hoover Elementary School in Mason City, and it was kind of an interesting, wonderful elementary school, wonderful teachers. Um but it kind of sat in like the northwest corner of Mason City. So Mason, Mason City, Iowa, if you're listening from somewhere else, it's a pretty blue-collar town. It's a bigger town for our area, but it's not a big town, but a you know, uh, kind of blue-collar cement plant, those sorts of things. And uh, the north end's kind of the end that's it's not you know terrible, but it's the end where the part of town where there's more drugs and you know lower socioeconomic and things like that. And that's where I grew up. And so that was like most of my neighborhood buddies were that. And I remember like the first couple times getting invited to a kid's house who lived in like the rich part of town. And I specifically remember one hanging out with a buddy. And, you know, it was like the whole experience was weird. He had like this big fancy house. And I didn't quite understand like how you have a big fancy house. And like he wanted to go ride bikes. And, uh, you know, he had like a couple bikes that were like, well, you can ride my 10 speed because I've got a 21 speed now. And I'm like, I don't know how to shift gears. I like the Huffy that you pedal backwards. You yes, know, to stop absolutely. It. Like, you're talking about, and I remember his mom took us to rent a movie and I was like, son-in-law. That's when Polly Shore was big. And I'm like, and I'm young, you know, this is like right when it came out. And I'm like, we need to rent son-in-law it's hilarious you know we watched it at home and like that one we watched like with my folks you know like you'll love it it's great and the mom's like oh i never heard of this so she rents it and uh we're watching it at his house 
And I just remember his mom getting really upset. Just not that there's that, you know, like that to me was a pretty tame movie. Yeah, oh, absolutely. But there's a lot of sexual innuendo and things like that. I remember his mom getting so mad and she stops it and we didn't finish watching it. And I was like, I was like the bad influence kid because I suggested (laughs) the Polly Shore movie. I just think about, you know, when everybody thinks of an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, of course their first thought is Commando. You know, not not the Terminator or Predator, Commando. I just remember thinking what a sweet movie that is. And at the end of the movie, sorry if it's a spoiler to you, but when he, like, kicks the guy onto the steam pipe, just thinking, like, I had to have been 70 years old when I'm watching this movie. I'm like... Man, I probably shouldn't have been watching that, but it was awesome. So, <laughs> my aunt Debbie was really great for that too, because um, at the time when I was young, she didn't uh, have any kids. She later had a, a son, Sterling, uh, my cousin. But uh, so she was kind of like our, you know, babysitter or whatever. You hang out with Aunt Debbie, and hanging out with Aunt Debbie was the best because one. Debbie is still one of the best cooks I've ever met, you know, and it's like real cooking butter and I mean like everything like one of those people who like her eggs are better than regular people's eggs. Like, how do you do that? And she would make popcorn, but like stove top, you know, pop popcorn and the butter and the salt and she'd put it in this big uh, kind of barrel bowl and uh, we'd eat that. We would drink coffee, you know, so I'd be like five and we'd be drinking coffee <laughs> And I imagine she put a lot of sugar and cream in mine or whatever, but we'd be sipping coffee and eating popcorn and just watching movies that I should not have been watching. And the one that got me when I was little was Temple of Doom. The Kalima scene where he rips the dude's heart out and just nightmare city. But thank you, Aunt Debbie, for us just drinking coffee and eating and watching those sorts of movies. She was into all the like sci-fi, creepy horror movies. That's what we were watching, man. All right, I got to throw one more story out here, just (laughs) the epitome of my dad, which I know you will appreciate. Um, So I can't remember. It was a few years ago, and Gavin, I don't know, he asked my dad out of the blue, he goes, Grandpa, who's your favorite football team? He goes, the Raiders. (laughs) And I I just spun around, I go, what? And he goes, the Raiders. Like my whole life, I just assumed my dad was a Vikings fan. I'm a bear, big Bears fan. I just assumed because he always the Vikings were on. Yeah, and I was like Gavin, I do, and you know my dad will have no. I still don't know if he's 100% serious or he's just messing with me and Gavin. But just the other day, he, you know, he made a comment to Gavin about like, oh, yeah, Khalil Mack traded to your Bears, and we sure got them, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Dad, you've never once made a reference to the Raiders ever in my life. And, and so, I mean, those are the little things, too, like, Maybe he was a Raiders fan, but just since I never saw him a lot growing up, you know, at the shop, he's yeah. somewhere all the time. You just yeah. know, yeah. But I just always, I still, I'm, and you know, I just imagine like on on the day he dies, him looking at me, just going like, "I'm messing with you. I don't like the Raiders." Like, <laughs> yeah. But that's just the way my dad is, which I just think is hilarious. But he'd just be like, "No, nah, actually, I'm just really a big uh, NWA fan. So yeah. I just got into the gear." Yep. Oh, absolutely. That's what it is. He just, oh man. So yeah, that's, that's really funny. That's my dad. So in a nutshell, <laughs> closet, he was, he was, closet Raiders fan. He was actually wearing a Raider shirt under his blue jumper. <laughs> that, that would be awesome. Just invisible. Yeah. So. I'm all for it. <laughs> 
Well, thanks a lot, man. I sure uh, enjoyed having you on. It's fun to, whatever, we talk all the time, but it's fun yeah. talking this way. It's kind of just a different this, deal. I appreciate this, it. This was fantastic. I, I've been, Luke knows, like as soon as he said he was doing this, like, I can't wait to be on there. This is going to be awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I have, I would love to be back on any time just talking about whatever direction we had. You say, so. Yeah, well, we kind of hit a stride here at the end. We can, yeah, go off the rails next time. So uh, I appreciate it, man. It was a lot of fun. Appreciate your friendship, and this was a blast. You bet. It was a good time. All right, we're out of here.